Hello again, everyone, wherever you may be, and welcome to the 161st edition of KHOI Community Radio's Capital Week, your window on the world of Iowa politics, where we explore and analyze who's been making news in and around the state capitol, what that news is, and what it all means. We're glad you're with us. I'm Dennis Hart, joined as always by my partner in politics, Laura Bellant, of the blog site Bleeding Heartlight. Welcome, Laura and dog, Sammy. Good to be here, Dennis. Laura, last Friday was the legislature's first funnel deadline, where most Senate bills, not all, most, must have been reported out of Senate committees, and most House bills have to have been reported out of House committees if they're going to have any further consideration in this session. About 90 bills, that's right, about 90 made it through, and we're going to report on many of them tonight. But first, we're right up to the moment. Let's talk about bills that made it out of the full state Senate today, Monday. Laura, one of them approving a bill they say many see as an attack on Democratic State Senator a senator, Democratic State Auditor Rob Sand. Yes, we had the first floor debate today in both the Iowa House and the Senate, and the House chose to debate mostly non-controversial bills, but the Senate put a bunch of controversial bills on the agenda right away, and one of them was this bill that goes after the only Democratic statewide elected official, Rob Sand. This is a bill that was published for the first time less than a week ago. It was fast-tracked through committee. Uh, Rob Sand said that his staff did not get a heads up that this was being planned at all. And the idea is that state agencies would be able to choose private CPA firms instead of having the state auditor do their annual audit. So there would be a couple of consequences of that. First of all, uh, the, the auditor's office might not see the key documents. and But second, it would affect their funding because the agencies would be spending money to get those audits done by private CPA firms. And that would affect the funding that Rob Sand's office receives. Sand had just said in a news conference last week that a 2023 law that restricted his office from accessing certain information was invoked by the State Board of Parole in refusing to provide documents to resolve a whistleblower's report. Yes, there was a controversy last year. And in fact, there's a lawsuit was filed by a former member of the Board of Parole that said that they weren't following the rules on processing some of these cases that come before them. And the state auditor's office, in addition to looking at the finances of agencies, they look at whether various state entities are complying with the state law. So they wanted to see documents and the Board of Parole refused to provide those documents. So this, this is something that, uh, in fact, this has been brewing for a long time before this new bill came up. But Rob Sand, who had previously called last year's bill the most pro-corruption bill in Iowa history. He emphasized at a news conference last week that this wasn't even, these weren't even documents about money. These were just documents about whether certain procedures related to evaluating parole cases were followed. And so he said, what do you think is going to happen when real money is on the line? Also on this Monday, the Senate approved Governor Reynolds' bill, which extends postpartum Medicaid coverage for mothers and infants to a year, but it limits eligibility to others. So Iowa is one of only three states that hasn't already extended postpartum coverage for Medicaid from 60 days to 12 months. And so this is something Democrats have proposed for a long time. Uh, this year, Governor Kim Reynolds made that part of her agenda. But in order to make this change basically pay for itself, she changed the income level so that uh, a number thousands of women who currently would qualify for Medicaid coverage when they're pregnant wouldn't qualify under this new program. So the, the people who would continue to be on Medicaid would have longer post postpartum coverage, but then there would also be many women who wouldn't get Medicaid coverage at all. As you indicate, the Senate was busy this afternoon. It also approved a bill to reduce oversight and regulations for a program designed to funnel money to crisis pregnancy centers. 
Now, this is something that was approved a couple of years ago initially by the legislature, and it's been slow to get off the ground because the State Department of Health and Human Services wasn't able to find, they had a couple of unsuccessful requests for bids to find a third party administrator. So this is a, a this bill would allow the state agency to administer the program itself, and there would be certain requirements and accountability measures that would no longer be included. So the idea is that this would make it easier to get this program off the ground. Democrats offered a couple of amendments. They said they were very concerned that Iowa was going to run into problems like Texas had. This is Texas had a program like this that Iowa's law is modeled on, and they found that there was a lot of waste, fraud, and abuse. It's easy to say there is little bipartisanship in the Senate and the House, but this one, this afternoon, the Senate approved a bill on foreign ownership of land, and it was, unbelievably enough, maybe a unanimous vote. Yes, there actually are quite a few unanimous votes in the Iowa House and Senate. Usually they're not on high profile bills, but this one was fairly high profile because Governor Reynolds had called for this, something to tighten up the rules to make it more difficult for uh, foreign entities or, and individuals to own farmland. And so this bill did pass unanimously. All right, now we're going to get into the bills that survived the funnel last week. That means that they are eligible for consideration from here on. We are not going to talk about all of them tonight, simply too many. But we're going to talk about some of the very most interesting and important. Among them, highly controversial, a revamping of area education agencies. Yes, and I want to be clear that the funnel applies to policy bills, but bills related to taxes and spending are not subject to those restrictions. So these are bills that would change state policy in some way that got through this funnel deadline. The area education agencies, this is shaping up to be one of the biggest battles of the year and really unexpected because before Governor Reynolds made this one of the centerpieces of her condition of the state address, I don't think many people thought that much about the area education agencies at all. They've been around for 50 years and usually don't arouse that much controversy. But the governor submitted a bill that would have really diminished, almost eliminated the autonomy of the AEAs and made it so that the funding flowed to school districts and it would have limited the services AEAs can offer to school districts to, so that they would only be able to do special education services and it would have centralized oversight in the Iowa State Department of Education. So the House and the Senate really completely rewrote those bills and they have very different proposals right now. And so we're not sure what they're going to come up with. It does seem that Republicans want to do something on this. The A lot of the stakeholders in this area would prefer just to have some kind of a task force or a year, a study bill that would say, we're going to look at this problem and come back to it in 2025. But I think that the Iowa House and Senate are going to want to pass something more substantial than that. Also last week, the House Education Committee passed a couple of bills that set a minimum teacher's salary and set Iowa's per-pupil state aid for public K-12 through schools. Yes, this is another thing that the governor wanted, that she said that this would make Iowa more competitive if you had a minimum salary of $50,000 a year for first-year teachers, and then uh, teachers with 12 years of experience would get $62,000 at least. This was the governor's bill. The House bill is a little bit different. They set the minimum salary at $47,500 for the first year. It would rise to $50,000. But one thing that people in the education community really valued is that the House bill does also include school support staff, so people like paraeducators, those are people who are often very poorly paid and it's difficult for school districts to fill those positions. And that was not something that was in the governor's original proposal. All right. You want to talk about controversy? How about the bill defining man and woman and allowing transgender people to be excluded from spaces like bathrooms, locker rooms, domestic abuse or sexual assault shelters? Yes, there's controversy. 
Yeah. So last year, remember, we had a number of high profile bills that targeted LGBTQ, but particularly transgender Iowans. And this year, a smaller number of bills, but there are several. And this one is really the centerpiece. The governor dropped this bill a few weeks ago. It, it has has advanced in the House, at least through committee. And the idea is that it man, woman, male, female, mother, father, and other terms would be defined in a way that is basically based on sex assigned at birth, uh, excludes would exclude transgender people. The governor's original bill would have also uh, required transgender Iowans to have that status basically denoted on their driver's licenses. That was removed from the House Education Committee. However, birth certificates would still have to show people's sex assigned at birth as well as their current sex designation. And this is something that is a high priority for LGBTQ advocates to oppose this bill. While we were on the air last Monday night, hundreds of protesters with LGBTQ and transgender rights flags showed up and shouted and cheered throughout that hearing that was taking place in the House. Yes, in the, in the Iowa House, the minority party has the ability to call a public hearing on bills and that the Democrats exercised that ability for the first time this year on this bill. And so, as you say, this was while we were recording last week's show, that hearing was going on. It usually, the the feedback that the, that the legislators get at those public hearings rarely has an impact on the bill. But in any case, it was something where there was a much larger turnout against the bill than the people who showed up to support it. Of course, we're going to be following this all throughout the session. Also, an abortion video. The House advanced a bill requiring anti-abortion videos to be played in human development teaching. So this is emerging as a theme of the 2024 session. Remember, the the near total abortion ban that the legislature approved last July, that's on hold while we wait to see what the Iowa Supreme Court does on the state's appeal to that. And so the legislature is not advancing any more bills that directly regulate abortion. However, they are advancing a number of bills that are perceived to help the anti-abortion community or discourage people from having abortions. And this is one of them. So this would have a video. It is the, the one that it's modeled on is called Meet Baby Olivia. It was produced by a group uh, that calls itself a right to life group. And it the, the original bill would have required this to be shown in schools at all grade levels. The revised bill that made it through the House Education Committee would require this to be shown to students in grades seven through 12. And the idea is that this would, it, in theory, discourage people from having abortions if they had unplanned pregnancies. And the House advanced a bill last week involving birth control without a prescription. This is something Governor Reynolds has called for for a few years. It's not something that she's prioritized, but it is a bill that she supported. Her staff were at the subcommittee. Uh, there are a number of people within uh, in the religious right groups who oppose this bill, but so far uh, it does seem to have support. The Iowa Senate last year passed a version of this it with, that would allow people to obtain hormonal birth control without a prescription, uh, but it, it never came up in the House. So we're going to see what happens if it, if and when it's brought to the House floor. It was never brought to the House floor last year. And the House also advanced a bill involving charges for the death of an unborn person. So this is something that, again, I would put this in the constellation of anti-abortion legislation. It's already illegal to non-consensually cause, cause the end of a pregnancy. So there already are criminal penalties for that in Iowa. So what this bill would do is it would increase the criminal penalties and also it would rewrite the code so that instead of someone being charged for ending a human pregnancy, it would cause, it would say that loss of life of an unborn person. And I think that clearly the effort to get this into a code is an 
is part of the effort to convince the Iowa Supreme Court that to allow this near total abortion ban to go into effect. The Senate advanced a bill last week involving penalties for swatting, which is calling law enforcement and falsely reporting an emergency, forcing law enforcement to come to the scene. As and I went to that subcommittee when it was considered a couple of weeks ago. I mean, this is something that law enforcement says they've seen a growing number of cases of this, particularly last March. There was one day where a couple dozen schools, school districts were hit with this. I mean, one of the issues with a bill like this, yes, it does increase the penalties. Not clear whether that is going to deter the behavior because it's very rare for people to be caught and charged in this kind of situation. But uh, but in any case, the leg- this has bipartisan support. And last week, the House advanced a bill involving penalties for disseminating obscene materials to minors. And there have been several different versions of this legislation. And I think that it's it sounded to me like from the discussion in committee that there's probably still going to be an amendment before this gets to the House floor. But again, it is already illegal to disseminate obscene material to minors. But there's a lot of concern about how easy it is for uh, Iowans under age 18 to access pornography online in particular. And so they're trying to get a handle on how to prevent that. Meanwhile, the House State Government Committee passed legislation last week, uh, appeal, uh, not appealed it, but passed it on, repealing Iowa's gender balance requirements for boards and commissions. This is something else that Governor Reynolds has asked for. Iowa was the first state in the country in 1987 to enact this kind of requirement for gender balance for state boards and commissions, which was then expanded in 2009 to cover most local government boards and commissions. But it's something that it there was a federal lawsuit that challenged this with respect to the state judicial nominating commission and a federal court ruling that came down last month that said this is a 14th Amendment equal protection violation. And the governor has said that this is something maybe if it was needed before, it's not needed anymore. So it does seem that the Republican Party is very determined in both the House and the Senate. There does seem to be strong Republican support for repealing this gender balance requirement. And bills were approved culling dozens of commissions, speaking of boards and commissions. So this one, this grew out of the governor's state government reorganization plan last year. It called for creating a task force to look at Iowa's boards and commissions, and that met several times over the summer and issued its recommendations in September. So the governor's bill tracked very closely with what this committee's recommendations were, and the Senate bill, which is advanced from the state government committee, is very close to what the governor asked for. This is something we have a little bit of conflict brewing between the Iowa House and the Senate because the Iowa House bill is very different. Uh, Dozens of boards and commissions would be saved under the Iowa House bill that would be eliminated in the Senate version. And the subcommittees, it was really quite a contrast because on the House side, a very few people came and spoke. There was a little bit of opposition to a couple of committees, But on the Senate side, it was an hour-long subcommittee with just many stakeholders very upset over things that would be eliminated. And just to give you a couple of examples that seem to be the most controversial, the board, there's a state plumbing board and a board of electrical examiners. Those would be combined and shrunk under the governor's proposal. And people involved with those professions uh, argue that that would be a mistake and it would jeopardize public safety. Also, there are a number of community-specific boards and commissions that represent uh, groups, marginalized communities in Iowa. So I'm talking about like the Commission for African Americans, Commission of Native Americans, the Commission of Asian and Pacific Islanders. There's also a state commission for women, for people with disabilities. All of those under the governor's proposal and the Senate bill would be combined into one human rights board, uh, whereas the House bill would preserve those as independent functioning commissions with more representation for those communities. And let's zoom into the gender neutral language instruction bill. 
So this is a really odd one. I watched both the subcommittee and the committee hearing on the House side. This came up, uh, State Representative Bill Gustoff said that these teachers had come to him. He won't specify which school districts or where this allegedly occurred, but that he argued that teachers are being sub threatened with discipline if they don't teach foreign languages with gender neutral language. As you know, some foreign languages like Spanish and French and Russian, which I studied, have certain words are considered male or female or in some cases uh, neutral. So in any case, this bill, I mean, the Democrats opposed this bill on the committee. They said this is seems to be a solution in search of a problem. But in any case, this has been queued up for Iowa House debate at some point. And the Senate Judiciary Committee passed a bill that would make illegal immigration a crime in Iowa. And there were some questions about this uh, during the committee discussion about whether this is even constitutional because the federal government, of course, has jurisdiction over immigration. So there may be an amendment before this comes to the Senate floor, but this is something there are several bills that are seen as ways to attack illegal immigration. That's, of course, a major issue of concern for the conservative voting base. And so Republicans have issued a number of bills, including this one on the Senate side, that would make it a state crime uh, to be an illegal immigrant. All right, it's 17 after the hour, wherever you're listening to us, and you are in tune with KHOI Radio's Capital Week, your one-stop source for everything political going on in Iowa. I'm Dennis Hart with Laura Bellin, and we are now in our fourth year of being here in this time slot to talk about politics with Iowa flavor. And do we have exciting news for you tonight? Yes, for us as well. This program is now also available as a podcast. Yes, as a podcast. Just search for KHOI's Capital Week on your favorite platform, be it Apple, Google, Amazon Music, Spotify, and there we are. Again, it's KHOI's Capital Week. Laura, we are now fully in tune with this 21st century. Absolutely. So if you're like me, I like to listen to podcasts while I walk my dog. So just hit subscribe, rate us on your favorite podcast platform, KHOI's Capital Week. Yes, Laura, but sometimes I wonder about the podcast you listen to when you're walking your dog. You and I have had conversations about this. All right, let's move on. If it seems we're moving faster, we are because we're trying to get through many of the bills, not all, that passed the first funnel last week. So bear with us. We're not going to get through all of them just the most important, uh, at least as far as we know right now. Now, there was an election bill. All right, this one is highly controversial. It has a lot of ramifications, and I'm not sure everybody understands all of them. So every year since 2017, Republicans have changed the Iowa's election rules in some way. So this is no exception. This one, the headline making part of it is that it would allow federal candidates convicted of felonies to appear on the ballot. But I think the more impactful part of the bill would be more changes to early voting. So there would be a total ban on drop boxes. Earlier, we there was a law a few years ago that said that limited drop boxes to just one per county attached to the county elections office. This would mean it would be much more difficult for people to turn in their ballot when the local elections office was not open. Uh, there would be an earlier deadline for returning absentee ballots. So if you voted by mail, you would need to get that ballot in by the day before the election instead of on election day. And there would be other requirements for absentee ballots that I think would make it more likely, and the County Auditors Association believes it would make it more likely that a lot of these ballots would not be able to be counted. All right. There was also a bill targeting unions that moved forward in the state Senate. Yes, and this is one. Uh, this is going to be one of the most controversial bills. Again, this goes back to 2017, the first year of the Republican trifecta. They passed a massive overhaul of collective bargaining that really made it much more difficult for public sector unions. And part of that was forcing a new recertification election every contract period. And that did not have the intended result because what we've seen is more than 98% 
of the bargaining union units have recertified their unions. So this bill, the main focus of it would be, it would make it more easier for public sector employers to basically get rid of the local union by if the employer did not submit a list of employees to the state, then the recertification election would just be canceled and the union would be decertified and they'd have to go to court to prevent that from happening. So this is something Democrats are very upset about this bill. They feel that already the collective bargaining landscape is already stacked against unions and this would make it worse. All right, let's get through at least a few more bills that pass through the funnel. Uh, one of them, well, actually, both the House and the Senate advanced their own versions of a bill involving hands-free driving. So law enforcement have been asking the legislature for years to strengthen the bill uh, about cell phone use while driving and to ban all devices, uh, all handheld devices while driving. It has not never had the votes to get through. And so uh, they've tried this year, they've tried linking this to a ban on local law enforcement using speed cameras or traffic cameras because some of them are geared toward red lights instead of um, instead of speeding. But in any case, law enforcement's very unhappy about combining these two concepts in one bill. But it did get through committee in both the House and the Senate. And a bill involving bike pedestrian safety. Uh, this is a bipartisan one. This would require drivers to yield to bicycles and also other human conveyances with wheels. So wheelchairs, skateboards, people in scooters and a crosswalk. And a bill directing the State Department of Transportation, and this involves Story County and other central Iowa counties to prioritize making Highway 30 four lanes across the state. Yeah, this had unanimous support and really strong bipartisan support for all of the representatives for all of those communities along Highway 30, which really is it, it is one of the longest roads and one of the most traveled roads in the state. Also a bill striking back against the state Supreme Court. Yeah, well, I'm sure we'll be talking about this more in the future. So this relates to a Supreme Court ruling last year that enjoined, it's a little bit of a complicated issue, but it has to do with electric transmission lines. And it was added as a last minute budget amendment. And the Supreme Court said that the way it was passed was not constitutional. So the Iowa House and Senate Republicans want to pass this as a standalone measure so that they can demonstrate to the Supreme Court that yes, we really did intend to make this law. Also, a bill prohibiting the governor from regulating places of worship and religious practices. So this is interesting, and I don't know how much this legs this has in the Iowa Senate, but at least on the House side, there are a number of people who feel that while they support how Governor Reynolds handled the coronavirus pandemic generally, they're just worried that if there's a future public health emergency or national natural disaster, they don't want the governor to start shutting down or limiting places of worship. So this bill would limit the government's, the governor's authority, even in an emergency situation, to regulate houses of worship. All right, those are some of the bills that passed the funnel. You can read about the others. Rarely do we say this, but you can read about them in the Des Moines Register and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. We do want to talk about some bills that did not survive the funnel because they were major bills, including the bill removing gender identity protections from the Iowa Civil Rights Act. And I always want to have a cautionary note because sometimes bills don't get through the funnel and we say they're dead and then they come back as amendments attached to other legislation later. But in this case, I think this one truly is dead. This was the one that would remove gender identity as a protected class in the Iowa Civil Rights Act. And it really seems like Republican lawmakers have no appetite to do that this year. The bill that did not make it involving death penalty for the murder of a peace officer. Yeah, so in the Senate, we've often seen every year of an attempt to get the death penalty back on the books in Iowa. It's been abolished since 1965, and they always start in a very limited way. This one, this time, it didn't even uh, get through a committee, and there's really no support for this in the Iowa House either. And another one that did not make it, one involving making local elections partisan. 
Yeah, so we've seen that school board elections in particular have become a little bit more partisan tinged with candidates running on slates, people often supported by their local Democratic or Republican parties. And uh, State Representative Skylar Wheeler had proposed this idea of, well, let's just make them partisan elections. But there, again, wasn't a lot of appetite for that. So we're, we're still going to continue to have city and school board elections be nonpartisan. Another bill that did not make it would have helped needy Iowa families feed their children. So Democrats in both the Iowa House and Senate had introduced bills that were designed to overturn the governor's decision that was announced shortly before Christmas not to participate in what's called the Summer EBT program. This is a USDA program that would give families whose kids qualify for free or reduced price lunch. It would give them $40 per child per month for the three months of the summer vacation that they could spend on food in any store or at a farmer's market, for instance. So the Democrats really were hoping the legislature would force the issue on the governor. Republicans did not move this, this bill even through a subcommittee, let alone committee. Here's another one that did not make it, a bill requiring the national anthem to be sung daily in school. This was a Republican bill, and it did get assigned to a subcommittee pretty early, but I think there was so much. This one even got some national media coverage. There was so much ridicule. Uh, there were a lot of education bills that did make it through the funnel, but this one they just didn't want to take up. And another one that did not make it would have changed the way local libraries operate by letting city councils override local library boards. Now, I have my eye on this one. There were three different versions of this bill in the House or the Senate that would give city councils more influence over libraries. And librarians and members of library boards turned out in large numbers to oppose this. And so none of the bills got through the funnel. But again, I, I'm wondering whether some proposal along these lines could get attached as an amendment to some other local government bill later. All right. There were other bills that did not make it. You can read all about it in your local newspaper. But we have to get to some other news. And this one. Especially important, the Iowa Board of Medicine approved administrative rules to enact the state's six-week abortion ban should courts allow that ban to go into effect. Now, remember, the, the Iowa Supreme Court is considering the state's appeal on that Polk County ruling that blocked the state from enforcing that near-total abortion ban. So these rules, the Iowa Board of Medicine has provisionally approved these rules that would govern how doctors look at the exceptions. So the bill has some limited exceptions for rape or incest or fetal abnormalities. And so the bill would define that. There were some small changes. There was a change to the ultrasound language from the original version passed it or presented to the Board of Medicine in November. There were a few legalistic changes to the rape or incest exceptions. But in any case, um, this this now goes to the a legislative committee for approval. And uh, it, the earliest that, the, that these rules could become officially enacted would be April. But again, the law would still not be in effect unless and until the Iowa Supreme Court rules on it. And abortion is still legal in Iowa up to 20 weeks. Yes. All right. Let's talk about what uh, our congressional members did last week. All four of them voted to impeach Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas in the U.S. House of Representatives. Yeah, so he is the first cabinet official to be impeached in more than 100 years. Again, uh, it's not clear what crime <laughs> he committed. It, they, the, the, in theory, uh, he was impeached for not enforcing the border security or the immigration laws that we have. Uh, it's not expected that this will go anywhere in the U.S. Senate, but all four Republicans who represent Iowa in the House did vote to impeach him. Speaking of the U.S. Senate, a $95 million foreign aid bill to support Ukraine and Israel passed on a 70 to 29 vote. Both of our U.S. senators voted for it. Yes, they have long supported aid to Ukraine and Israel. It's not clear when this could come up for a vote in the House, though. The House is right now on recess until February 28th. And finally, Chuck Grassley, 
He is unrepentant, as you vote in, wrote in Bleeding Heartland, as the Department of Justice declared explosive claims about the Bidens to be fabrications. Well, I always love when a huge national news story comes on the last day before the Iowa legislature's funnel deadline. And that's what happened last Thursday when the Justice Department unsealed an indictment of um, Alexander Smirnoff. He was a longtime FBI informant. And if you've heard anything about bribery allegations involving the Biden family, it probably came from this document that he was involved in creating and Senator Chuck Grassley last summer released to the public. And so uh, Senator Grassley has made a big deal about about promoting this idea that there was Biden family corruption. The Justice Department ended up indicting this informant, Alexander Smirnoff, saying that he made everything that was in those allegations, he made up and he knew them to be false. But Senator Grassley has talked in vague terms about this, but he hasn't, he hasn't addressed the fact that the DOJ says this was fallacious. I mean, I haven't seen a, a statement directly from him. His office sent me a, a statement and they sent it to other reporters as well that said basically, well, Senator Grassley forced the FBI to do due diligence on this document and all he wanted was for these allegations to be thoroughly investigated. If you look at the indictment, it, it shows that they did actually investigate this in 2020 when the allegations were originally made. They asked uh, this informant for travel records and other things and found that those didn't back up the allegations that he about the conversations and the meetings that he supposedly had. So, in fact, they did investigate it. They they went back and investigated it further last year after Senator Grassley released the form. And so that seems to be his stance as taking credit for forcing further investigation. Laura, we are out of time. We have talked a lot. <laughs> it was a busy week, Dennis, more than usual. Yes. All right. We are indeed out of time. You've been listening to Capital Week on KHOI Community Radio. A reminder that the views and opinions expressed here did not necessarily reflect the opinions of KHOI or its staff. Laura and I will be back here next week at the same time. We'll be talking about everything interesting, important, or entertaining about politics, Iowa style. There'll be a lot of it. Until then, thank you so much for the privilege of your time. We appreciate it. We value it. Between now and then, let's all go ahead and have a safe, healthy, and happy week.